Welcome to the Bigger Pockets Money Podcast, show number 288, Finance Friday edition, where we interview Brandy and talk about self-employment, short-term rentals, tax planning, and geographic arbitrage. Are we on the right path? You know, because we have net worth, but we're so heavy in real estate equity at this point um, that even when I track our fire numbers and track the potential of, you know, moving to Portugal um, as an opportunity in the future, I just wonder, am I thinking of this in the right way? Hello, hello, hello. My name is Mindy Jensen. And with me, as always, is my infant co-host who has never heard Rocket Man from Elton John, Scott Trench. Mindy, I really don't like it when you take these intros and use them as an opportunity to projectile on me. <laughs> your frustrations with my youth. I try to make these intros funny and Scott's like, I don't know that song. How do you not know that song? It's Rocket Me by Elton John. I don't know why it's stuck in my head today. But anyway, Scott and I are here to make financial independence less scary, less just for somebody else, even little kids, which is not the guest today. To introduce you to every money story, even those of you who are starting a little bit later in life, which doesn't apply to Scott because he's 12, because we truly believe that financial freedom is attainable for everyone, no matter when or where you're starting, even if you're 12 like Scott. All right. That's right. Whether you want to retire early and travel to Portugal, go on to make big time investments in assets like real estate or start your own business, we'll help you reach your financial goals and get money out of the way so you can launch yourself towards those dreams. Okay, don't take me ripping Scott as anything away from today's awesome episode. We are talking to Brandy today and Brandy did get a bit of a little later start saving for retirement and planning for her retirement goals. She discovered financial independence and she's like, oh, I would like to do that. She is considering some geographic arbitrage by way of Portugal, moving to Portugal, like um, I believe it's Eamon and Christina on their, uh, from the YouTube channel where they talk about leaving the Bay Area and moving to Portugal to live their best life. And Chris and uh, Brandy would like to do that too. So, uh, we have a really great show for you today. Bottom line is, even if you're starting later in life, you can still reach financial independence. Yeah, I really enjoyed today's show with Brandy. I think she has got a, a very unique and complicated financial situation. It's a strong one and a very specific goal of moving to Portugal. And it's fun to kind of discuss the options through um, with somebody who's got that kind of clarity and the the potential and the ability to make moves the way that, that Brandy does. So I think this is a fun show. And I think it um, hopefully will get the wheels turning um, and thinking about what's possible and what can I do and how soon can I do it um, to get what I want out of life. She's got a lot of different options and, you know, some of them include staying where she is and continuing on. And some of them include moving to another country. And there's there's a lot of different levers she can pull. She can have a, a different combination of what she's got going on, continuing on, putting it on pause. And um, I just I love the options that she has created for herself. I think she's really set herself up well. So I disagree with her when she says, oh, we've gotten a late start in life. I think she's doing really well. So before Brandy joins us, I have to tell you that the contents of this podcast are informational in nature and are not legal or tax advice. And neither Scott nor I, nor Bigger Pockets are engaged in, in the provision of legal tax or any other advice. You should seek your own advice from professional advisors, including lawyers and accountants regarding the legal tax and financial implications of any financial decision you contemplate. When it comes to financial guidance, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When Mindy and I want to upgrade our wallets, we turned a nerd wallet. Scott's right. 
Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, Mindy and I were paying for vacations in cash, missing out on miles, and not even knowing what we're leaving on the table. But now we're flying through the skies for free, thanks to our new cards with more miles and upgrades than ever. So if you want more travel rewards, hotel upgrades, or airport lounge access, no matter where you go next, let NerdWallet help you make it happen with a killer travel card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval, and terms of each credit card issuer apply. This show is sponsored by Airbnb. Did you know that I turned one of my first homes into an Airbnb? It's true. And it even helped me get the extra income I needed to launch my real estate career. So if you want to try your hand at making even more income with your property, Airbnb is the place to be. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. The easiest way to collect rent? Rent app. Rent app is a seamless, secure, free payment tool for small rental property owners like you and me. Built by a team of fintech veterans behind Square and Cash App, Rent App uses ACH bank transfers to deposit rent directly into your account. Landlords love Rent App for its unbeatable convenience. Isn't it time you made rent collection easier? Rent App, the free and easy way to collect rent. Learn more at rent.app/landlord. That's rent.app/landlord. Randy and her husband got a later start on their journey to financial independence. But they've got three rental properties and an assortment of self-employment income to really boost their income generation. They plan on moving to a lower cost of living country, Portugal, to really get the most bang for their retirement buck. Brandy, welcome to the Bigger Pockets Money podcast. Thank you, Mindy. Thank you, Scott. I'm so excited to be here. I'm so excited to talk to you today. Let's get an overview of your money journey and then jump into your numbers. Sure. So first, let me say, going through my money story almost felt like therapy. I had to really look back and say, how did I get here? So it was an interesting process. So um, where I think it'd be interesting to start is kind of looking back at, you know, when I was a child, what were my earliest money, you know, influences? What do I remember about growing up? Um, And what I can recall is, you know, really living paycheck to paycheck for a while. Um, having a single mom who really worked hard. Um, but then we had a major change uh, when I was in elementary school where we moved to an upper-class neighborhood in the Silicon Valley. So we went from kind of living paycheck to paycheck to suddenly being in an expensive neighborhood. And um, my mom had gotten remarried and he was a real estate investor and worked in the corporate environment. But what I remember is uh, they just were not on the same page financially. So this would influence me later in life because um, eventually, you know, he would buy properties without including her and do things without including her in the conversation. And so this really, as you'll hear my later story, um, makes sense how I got into, you know, Dave Ramsey and Financial Peace University and making sure that my relationships um you know, had me and my husband on the same page. So that was the, um, you know, my earlier years. Uh, When I started getting into my 20s, I didn't know much about money. I still, um, you know, I worked hard. I started working at 15. My first job, I made $3 an hour. (laughs) And I remember, you know, just being happy to have a job. Um, But 
later, I actually started a business. I started a store in the Bay Area. And unfortunately, I was not prepared to have a business. I did not reinvest my profits. I uh, borrowed heavily on credit cards. And unfortunately, I ended up going through bankruptcy. And on top of that, ended up owing a large amount of money to a family member when I had borrowed on all of these credit cards. So not only did I go through bankruptcy, but I had this obligation to you know, pay my family member back. So this was really the start of my money journey personally, because as a result of this failure, this business failure, I decided to learn about money. So I went back to school. What what um, year was that business failure and, and all that? When did, when did that all transpire? So that was in the early 2000s. Early 2000s. Okay. Thank you. Yes. Sorry about that. I just made yep. sure to get the timeline. Yeah, no problem. So um, it was a really hard time for me. I was single. I'd gone through this business failure um, and realized I just was not prepared to have a business. Um, but it was a it was a good lesson to learn because I decided to go back to school and learn everything I could about money. So I um, pursued an MBA at night. I landed a full-time job working at a CPA firm. Um, I wasn't uh, financially savvy enough to work in the accounting department, but they actually um, gave me a position in their retirement plan department, interestingly enough. Um, and at that time, I spent several years working full-time, going to school at night, and I also landed three clients um, on the side bookkeeping on weekends, at nights, and just spent two years just hustling to get out of that $80,000 debt. So that's what I ended up doing. I ended up paying that off in a couple years um, and then graduated with my MBA, very tired, but, <laughs> but ended up finishing that. And that was about the time that I met my husband right after that. So at that time, um, my mom, who was originally from New Zealand, had already moved over to South Carolina from the Bay Area. And she had been wanting me to move to South Carolina for a while. And it was just the perfect timing where I had graduated. We were starting to look at uh, properties in California, which were, um, you know, half a million dollars for a small place. And my mom called me up and said, hey, I found a property in Hilton Head, South Carolina across from the beach. Um, it was $75,000. We had a, we could have a tenant already living on one side and we could live on the other. So it was a duplex opportunity. And I already had a remote position with a California um, job. So my husband and I decided to, um, well, my fiance at the time, we decided not to um, get married at that time and use the money we would have used for the wedding to put down on this property. So we moved across the country without actually seeing it other than pictures and just decided it's a no-brainer. Uh, I've never been anyone to take any risks like that. I've always been very, very risk-averse, but this just seemed like it made perfect sense. So we moved across uh, the country and I kept my California income, worked from home. Uh, we could walk to the beach every day and we had that long-term tenant. Uh, so this was 2010 that we moved across the country and did this. Um, and then after the tenant moved out, that's when I started getting into VRBO, which most of my neighbors in the, um, in the complex were doing, and then eventually got into Airbnb very heavily. So from there, um, 
both my husband and I were, you know, found local jobs in Hilton Head, South Carolina. And I kept renting out the property, managing it myself, and eventually just got into the rat race, <laughs> corporate rat race. So I, uh, we had our son and we moved to a neighboring town um, about 20 minutes away and bought a property out there, our home now. And, um, <clears throat> excuse me. And we, uh, that's when I started to um, rent out our property more full time really heavily on Airbnb. Um, spent the next several years just getting promoted at my job in South Carolina, but really just still following that same mentality of just work hard, keep grinding, um, never really pursuing anything that I was passionate about, although I loved the people that I worked with. Um, so because of that, I then started to really find you guys. I started to research what were the other things that I could do to help us get caught up financially, because we never really had a lot in retirement. Uh, my husband, nor my husband, nor my husband, nor I. And so I found bigger pockets. Um, I started to, you know, find out about Dave Ramsey. And that's, I started there um, with paying off all of our debts, paid off my student loans, um, and then started to find out, you know, what are the other options? So in using bigger pockets, that's actually how I found our second property, our, our rental property, is I used some of the advice that, um, you know, that you guys use to analyze deals. And also I had heard a, um, a podcast episode about someone talking about purchasing a rental property to pay for um, education, college education. So I found that really inspiring with my, you know, then, you know, two-year-old thinking, okay, if I buy another rental property, I could use this as his college education. So we ended up buying a um, second property in Hilton Head. Is that the idea? Oh, well, are you about to explain what that is? What that what what you did to pay for the college education? I'm sorry. Are you about to explain that? Oh, sorry, I, I just wanted to give a highlight on what how that strategy works. If you no, were not, you can go. You can go ahead and explain. That. I was just going to continue the story, but no, you probably is that where you buy you buy a, you buy like a duplex? You put down sixty thousand dollars in like a two forty. $240,000 duplex, put on a 15-year mortgage, let it get completely paid off. And then when your kid goes to college, you just cash out, refinance and pay for college. Or you can, you know, cash flow with a paid off property. And then you put yes. on a 30-year mortgage and then you pay for the grandkids' college by doing the exact same thing down this downstream. So I, I really yes. like that very simple approach to <laughs> paying for college. If you can, of course, come up with a down payment or buy the property um, today. Right. Yep. So then, yes, that was pretty much the idea. Even though I did, um, I didn't put it on a 15, I did put it on a 30 year. So, so that was our second property, which we ended up getting just a few blocks away from the first, but this time it was beachfront. So it's a beachfront condo um, in Hilton Head. Um, so again, just continued on with working, um, taking on a lot more work, a lot more responsibility, um, but just started getting burnt out. And just saying, okay, what else is out there? Um, and so got to the point where I um, decided to go ahead and quit my corporate job um, to spend more time with my son, who's in elementary school. Figured, you know, I can't get this time back. So this was all pre-COVID. This was all, I would say, the summer right before COVID. And we ended up buying our third property at the same beachfront um, location. And this was just a few months before lockdown. Uh, when we closed on that property. So at that time, 
I was very scared. All of our reservations were getting canceled by Airbnb. I didn't know if I'd made the biggest mistake of suddenly being self-employed. And when I say self-employed, I forgot to mention that I had had a, an eBay side hustle. And I had figured instead of you know going to work at seven in the morning, coming home at eight o'clock at night, working on weekends you know, for um, my, my corporate job, I figured, you know, I can come up with the money myself to replace this corporate income. So I decided to pursue my eBay side hustle full time. Um, I also manage our own properties and do the cleaning, which actually um, that's something we can talk about if that makes sense. But it did bring in at least $25,000 in extra income um, instead of having to pay that out. Um, also cutting daycare costs and you know, with COVID, I ended up reaching back to my employer and was able to um, take on contracting income. So all of this <laughs> ended up putting us in somewhat of a better position um, once we got through COVID and to the other side. So that's really how we got here. And funny enough, I would clean my properties um, last summer and with all of this equity in our properties, I would start to listen to the Finance Fridays and just think, oh, if I could just talk to Mindy and Scott and just, you know, what would they do in our position? Um, you know, how how do we, are we on the right path? You know, because we have net worth, but we're so heavy in real estate equity at this point um, that even when I track our fire numbers and track the potential of, you know, moving to Portugal um, as an opportunity in the future, I just wonder, am I thinking of this in the right way? Well, Scott, I think in order for us to really get a good feel for her residential real estate, we're going to have to go spend a week at her yeah. beachfront property yeah. and <laughs> and really get a feel for what she's got there before we can go any further with our advice here. So be we'll be she's back give us in the a property week. In like February. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Last week would have been great. Last week it was it dipped into the negatives here. <laughs> um, um, so first of all, I think you are doing really, really well. What is your duplex across the street from the beach worth now? So we bought it for 75. Um, we had our, in the complex itself, um, we had a recent sale, almost 500,000. Oh my. It's pretty good. So yeah, you're, you're doing okay on that one property. Uh, Only then you have property, two, yes. then you have two beachfront condos that are in the same unit or same property. Yes. What What are those? What did you pay for those? And what are those worth? So I paid um, between 140 to 150,000 um, each. And uh, they're up to about 280, 290. They're much smaller units, but it's the location. They're, they're really great for rentals because of the location. Yeah. So you basically doubled your money mm -hmm. on those? And are they all short-term yeah. rentals? Yes. Okay. Um, well, great. Um, well, why don't, why don't we go through all the rest of the numbers here and start, start with that profit and loss and then go and then come back circle back to the, the rest of the assets. Okay. So for our profit and loss, I'm going to use, um, based on our numbers from last year, but also based on where I think we're going to be this year. Um, so I'm still doing the contract work part-time to bring in some extra money. So I anticipate that will be about 16,000 for the year. So these are going to be annual numbers that we're looking at. Um, my eBay business is up to about 95,000 gross um, annual. 
And um, my husband's W-2 salary is about 67000 annual. Uh, the rental income before cleaning income is about 115000 for all three properties combined. And um, last year, I brought in about 25000 in cleaning income instead of me paying it out to someone else. This year, I'm looking at outsourcing that, especially as I start to travel and scout to Portugal. Um, so I expect a drop in that cleaning income to maybe $8,000. So that gives us a total of about 300,000. Awesome. And where's that going? What's offsetting that? So for the, this is where um, I do use the zero-based budgeting where I give every dollar, you know, a job. So um, I have actually, you know, kind of outlined that all that 300,000 would go to, um, we would be maxing out um, our HSA this year, my husband's family HSA. Um, we would max out my husband's traditional 401k. And I don't know if you want me to give you numbers as I go through for those. Yeah, that, that, I think that would be helpful. Okay, so maxing out the HSA uh, would be around 7,300. The uh, traditional 401k for 2022 would be 20,500. I would like to increase our emergency funds. I have three emergency funds, one for personal, one for my eBay business, and one for our rental properties. Um, as, as I'm sure you're aware with rentals, like especially in our area, we've got peak seasons. So suddenly in March through August, you know, it goes through the roof. But for the rest of the year, it's very slow. So um, we really will eat into the emergency funds through the winter. So right now they're pretty low. So I'd like to get them back up. So I anticipate putting about 20000 um, back into the emergency funds. Our household expenses, um, I've got estimated at 62000 for the year. The rental expenses are pretty much um, about the same, 62000 a year. So with short-term rentals, the expenses are high. Um, my business expenses are estimated about 27000 I took a total guess on, on taxes and plugged in a number of 38000 Um I, we will usually do uh, improvements in the rental properties when it's slow. So um, I've got some improvements planned, like replacing water heaters, doing some kitchen improvements for about 20000 Um This is the worst time for this to happen, but one of our cars may possibly be going out. So I need to look at purchasing another vehicle. And so I'm putting in a line item of 20000 just with what's going on uh, in the, the market right now, even though I'd like to get the cheapest car possible. And then travel, I have 10000 because, again, we're going to be going um, to Portugal to start scouting. So that brings it down to, you know, that gives every dollar name of that 300000 Let's let's go through these. Let's go through these by income stream real quick. So we have a contractor. You said you sixteen thousand dollars. What's offsetting that? What are the expenses associated with with being a contractor? Uh, well, there are no expenses other than taxes. Okay, and and what is that nature of that work again? Um, so I do project work with my my old employer. Okay, great. So so you can do that from anywhere around the world, right? So that that is something you can continue to do from Portugal. Actually, yes. I have okay. asked them and they said they don't see a problem, but we've also had a change in ownership. So that's up in the air. But right now I have a contract that's active with them. Okay, great. And then tell me, give me a, a, another a refresher on the eBay business again. That brings in 95000 Yeah. So the eBay business, um, I pick up things that I see have value and then I, I resell them. So I, this started as a side hustle because we have an upstairs bedroom 
And we just, you know, I had looked at, do we end up renting it out for extra income? My husband never felt comfortable with that. So I figured, let me turn that into an office workspace. So I have all my inventory upstairs and I just pick up things and sell them and it's slowly grown. Um, so that's where the income's coming in. On And when I say eBay, I also mean sites like eBay, Poshmark, Facebook Marketplace. Um, and then as far as the expenses for that, um, I I don't have very high expenses. It's really buying inventory, business supplies, um, shipping expenses, and site fees. And then I reinvest 100% of the business um, profits. Okay. So, so this is not, this is not something that you could easily take with you to, to Portugal. No. So if we go to Portugal, I would anticipate the eBay business would stop 100%. Okay, great. Uh, and then w, w, W2 salary, would that also stop or would there be other work that you guys would look for in Portugal? That would also stop. Um, what we've looked at for Portugal is possibly pursuing the passive income visa and um, either looking at me continuing with contract work over there or potentially keeping one rental property here um, while we're exploring that. But I know for myself, I've always worked. Um, I'd like to potentially get an Airbnb in Portugal or more. Um, so I know I wouldn't do nothing. But as far as going and getting a job in Portugal, that's not something we're looking at right now. Okay, great. We're just going through these, right? You're gonna you, your contractor income could continue. Your mm -hmm. eBay business will not, your W-2 salary will not, your rental income will continue most likely um, with that, with the, with, you know, zero cleaning income coming in from that. Right. So all of the other, you know, all the other things will be managed remotely, um, it looks like, and there'll probably be some other expense that you'll layer in, but you should generate about $50,000 in profit from that business, plus, you know, maybe another 20000 between other, other items um, like contractor work or other things that you could fairly easily generate were you to move. Is that is that a reasonable um, assessment of the current income state and what would happen after the move? Uh, yeah, that sounds reasonable. Okay, great. Um, let's go through assets, other the, the 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 net worth here. Okay, so for the the uh, assets, I'm sorry. Let me just drag this over. Um, so for our emergency funds, um, so again, they're lower than I'd like, but right now I have about 10,000, um, um, for the rental properties. I have 8,000 for our household and 12,000 for my business, all just in regular savings accounts. Um, I also want to note, we have an unused HELOC also as a backup for $40,000. That is an active HELOC, um, but that's been paid off. And um, we've been slow to investing, but we do have uh, non-retirement index funds that we're investing in of about 61,000. Both of our cars are paid off. Uh, we have about 7,000 in HSA. Now, um, I still struggle with this one, but for my business, I do not have a solo one 401k or um, anything I keep hearing on the show. Um, I have a simple IRA that my CPA has recommended. So I have 12,800 in there. So I do want to start looking into the possibility of like the backdoor Roth and things that I've heard you guys talking about. Um, then I have Roth IRA of 7,000. And then we have other retirement accounts of a total of about 135,000. We have 10,000 set aside for college and for the, um, the real estate value that I'm seeing today, like on mint.com and Zillow uh, for the three rental properties is about a million dollars for the three of them combined. 
And then as far as what we owe on those properties, um, and we have about 353,000. So that would bring the net worth to about 910,000. That's awesome. And that's not including our home. So our home, we bought for about 200,000. Um, and now they're selling for about 585 in our neighborhood. And we owe about 172 right now. So if I included our home, uh, that would give us a net worth of 1.3 million. So I, I think I think you can include your home in this scenario because you're going to be moving and you're, you're I, presumably you're going to do something with the home equity when you move. What, what is your plan? Well, so my plan would be to buy a house um, cash in Portugal. It's, I don't know if that's the right decision, but that's something that I've always, you know, if I considered being financially independent, retiring early, to me, it made sense to buy a house cash. Now, if I, uh, if we pursued Airbnb properties in Portugal, I would not pay those cash. I would finance those. Um, so that's, that's why I didn't include the, the home. But I, in a perfect world, uh, with what I've seen so far, I would cash out the home here pay a house um, in cash over there, but then also, you know, buy one or two, you know, investment properties with a difference because the the home values are just not as high. What's the, um, you know, I, I, I'm sure it's obvious, but I, I would love to hear from you. What's the appeal of, of Portugal? Why do you want to move there? So I actually have never been to Portugal. <laughs> you know, what's <laughs> funny is that um, just like listening to bigger pockets, um, you know, getting in, I'm interested in the fire community and all of these different things that I've uh, started researching over the years. I found a couple that uh, were originally from the Bay Area and have a um, YouTube channel and started talking about how they had uh, pursued fire and retired early and fell in love with Portugal. And so I didn't intend (laughs) to go down that path. But once I started seeing their reasons for moving to Portugal, I found this huge community of expats that have moved to Portugal, a huge uh, community of American expats that have um, are pursuing fire and have moved to Portugal. And the reasons really are um, Portugal is the third safest country in the world, <laughs> whereas the U.S. is, I think, number 190 or <laughs> we're somewhere way down on the list. Um, <laughs> the the uh, cost of living, even though it's increasing over the years, it's you know much better over there. So I figured, you know, how can we take how can we speed up the process to take advantage of a lower cost of living, uh, but with a better quality of life? You know, we're big foodies. We love to eat out. And over there, um, it's supposed to be very affordable to eat out, travel, and do a lot of the things that I would like to start enjoying more in my life now. I feel like we've, we've been grinding for a while, and I'm ready to now look at the next chapter of how do we really enjoy life more with you know the money that we've accumulated. Awesome. Um, well, I love it. Well, thank you for sharing all this detail and, and the, the goal. What's the best way we can help you today? So where I'm at and why I wanted to reach out to you guys is really, um, it's been driving me a little crazy over the last year. I've just seen the market go, you know, really increase with the properties and seeing 70% of our net worth in real estate equity. Uh, I'm just wondering you know, is there something else that you would recommend to one, help us achieve fire sooner? Uh, because I've calculated what our fire number, I think would be, um, and it looks to be about a five-year plan, I think. And so I wanted to see if there's anything you would recommend to maybe tap into the equity. Um, if it was you, you know, is there something different that you would do to, you know, help get us there? 
Why are you not there right now? For fire? Yeah. Well, I mean, I use the, you know, the, the 4% rule and it seems like we would need about, you know, at least no. <laughs> I, I, I'm shaking my head. Sorry. The 4% four, the 4% <laughs> no, rule, okay. in my opinion, does not apply to your situation at all because most of your net worth is in real estate. So right. it's, it's simple. It's simple. What's your income less your expenses at this point, right? The, the 4% rule applies to a, a mixed 60, 40 stock bond portfolio and you don't have mm-hmm. no, hardly any stocks. I mean, that's, us, that's right. less than I think, um, 15% of your position if I'm, if I'm doing that back of the napkin, right? So I think right. it's, I think it's income less expenses here. Sorry, go on, keep going. No, no, no. So, I mean, that's why I wanted to, <laughs> to get, um, your input because Maybe that's where I'm getting confused as I started thinking, okay, we've got all of this equity in our properties. We'd love to move to Portugal. You know, should we consider at some point cashing out those properties and putting that equity, for example, into the stock market? I know. And then, and that scares me after that. So what I'm seeing, we're, we're recording this on March 1st. It's not going to release until I think April 6th or something. Um, April 8th down the road. And right now we are in the very beginning of the Ukraine and Russia war conflict, whatever we're calling it. So the stock market yes. is down and uh, it came up yesterday a little bit. It's definitely in a position of volatility. What I'm seeing from your numbers is that your household expenses are $62,000 a year and your Airbnb income is $115,000 a year. So it's it's fifty three thousand dollars a year if we net out the expenses that she said against that right. Oh, Airbnb oh, okay, is coming yeah, with... yeah. Okay, so there's, and okay, so there's a little bit of. But she's going to move to Portugal with a paid off house, so it's about what what is the and what is the state after the move if that's the goal that we're looking for, which which Brandy has also provided for us, which is very nice. <laughs> so thank you for the extreme preparation. This is awesome. Yes. So there's there's a lot of moving parts and um but I'm still seeing e- either well covered or almost well covered almost completely covered expenses based on what you have right now. I would not sell the properties because they have a proven track record for you. You've been taking care of them. Mm-hmm. I would almost look at what's going on with that properties right now and say, "Okay, uh, these are the big capex expenses in the next ten years. Let's take care of them this year. It's going to dip into our income, but I'm working. He's working. I've got my eBay business. I'm going to ramp up my eBay work because that's almost pure profit. I'm going to, you know, do a uh, an audit of what I have been selling. Oh, books are the highest profit margin and crochet books are the most highest profit margin, which is horrible English. But, and I don't even know if it's true eBay selling wise. I don't sell on eBay because everything I've ever bought, nobody wants. So my eBay- She doesn't need good English anymore. (laughs) My eBay selling career was a disaster, but that's okay because you're not competing with me anymore. Good for you. I'm glad you've been able to find something that you can sell because I couldn't. But this isn't about me. It's all about you. And, you know, take- inventory and take stock of what is selling really well for you and then go pursue those items to really generate as much income on eBay as you can this next year um, while you're Mm -hmm. still at home. Like, when are you planning to move to Portugal two and a half or three years from now? That's the original plan. Now with everything going on in the world, I don't know how this may change things. Um, But 
originally I thought while my son is young to help him get, you know, situated or acclimated over there. So definitely in the next couple of years or potentially longer, because I guess the big question for me is when I've looked at other um, real estate investors that have kind of done the same thing, most of them say, you know, don't keep properties over here and try and manage them from afar. So that's the question that I have of, do I keep them and move to Portugal and keep the properties here because they're doing well or do something else with that equity? Well, I, I'm I'm just observing this, and I'm like, I I think you could make the move right now, like today. Yeah. I think I think you you finished the you, you finished the journey um, at a bare bones level to this, and probably would be just as successful or not more successful over in Portugal with this, based on the very high level understanding of, that I've got going of your, your financial position. It sounds like your the the biggest thing would be your eBay business and. Um, your husband's job, but it sounds like you could, I, I bet you, you could probably re recreate those pretty quickly, uh, over in Portugal and you don't need them necessarily. You, you would, you would be able to barely make it without either of those things. And you'd almost, based on your willingness to do something, you'd probably mm -hmm. easily be able to cover the remaining buffer. So I think, I think you're, you're, you're good today to make that, that switch over if, if that's what you wanted to do. So I think the question is less, um, about whether you can do that or, you know, or, or, or what your financial position will bear. And then how do you just like pad that as much as possible in the next couple of years um, while you're actually contemplating getting serious about making the transition? Is that, am I framing that correctly? Or do you agree with that? I think so. But what, what are you recommending with the properties we have now to sell them and then reinvest it in Portugal? Why not just hire, why not just run the P&L with a property manager and say, what is it, what does it look like if I have a property manager in place here? And mm -hmm. it's not, if, if you're going to move over tomorrow, you're, you, you probably need a good six to nine months to actually pull this, the, the pull off the transition. But I think you'd need a good yeah. property manager. You need to say, great, I'm going to do short-term rentals. I'm going to bake in 15, 20% for my property management fee on that. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to have no, uh, in, no cleaning expense. What does that look like? Do they do a good job for me without me being involved in there? And that's an investment I'm going to make over the next six to nine months, knowing that it's income I could be generating, but I, I know that I can be confident that I'm never going to have to talk to them. And I'm going to tell them my goal. My goal is to move away here from here and not have to do this. So if this works out, then we can, you know, th th then I'll be able, then I'll be able to do that. I, I don't know, but you, if you can, if you can, figure that component out. I think you'll be, you'll have a good chance of success. And when, while you're over in Portugal, if you decide, Hey, I'm going to get a better ROI by selling those properties in the U S and putting that cash into new properties here in Portugal, you can do that gradually over time. Um, with that, mm -hmm. if that's what you decide, but that's, that's yeah. how I'd be thinking about the situation. Okay. I was going to say, it's funny. Cause you know, I tend to overanalyze and think about the different scenarios, but again, um, being so busy and, and jumping from one thing to the next, this is where I thought if I could just get the right people in the room to have the conversation. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's just, it's just, I'm, I'm sure it's like the day to day of the last several years has been managing these properties, cleaning them, running your businesses. And you have like multiple entrepreneurial pursuits going, going on right here. Um, and that's created this situation of optionality where if you pop up, like at a strategic, you're just like, great. Why don't you hire a property manager? And and you know you'll you'll reduce the income to some extent, but it will be probably close to enough to put you there. Or if it's not, then you know, okay, I need two more properties or three more properties or this other mm -hmm. income stream that I need to figure out, and that will get that will help you back into that timeline. Right. You're not you're not paying property management today, is that right? No, I'm doing everything myself. 
So I think I think that would be a good I think that would be a good potential step for you. Um, because you may not want to sell at least all of them as to, as to at least get quotes and maybe hire one of them, um, as a, as it for at least one of your properties to see how that mm-hmm. goes in the short run. Yeah. Yeah. And you yeah. can talk to them. And I think this summer will be a, oh, I was going to say, I think this summer will be a good opportunity because I'll be in Portugal for a good three weeks. So it's my first time I'm needing to outsource the cleaning and also, um, kind of a mini property manager since I'll be out of the country. So it would be my first introduction to that, to see how it goes without me, which I'm sure will be fine. We know you've heard it before. Cash flow is getting very hard to find. There's always long distance investing, but you may be thinking, I don't have a team, enough experience, or the market knowledge to get in. That's where you're wrong. And it's also where Rent to Retirement comes in. Rent to Retirement offers fully turnkey properties that are newly built or renovated, leased and managed, allowing you to invest out of state with confidence. They've got single family, multifamily, new build, and syndication opportunities across multiple markets. They even have bird deals with immediate equity. Rent to Retirement helps investors learn how to build a bulletproof business plan with the best investment and tax strategies around to help you reach financial freedom through real estate. There's no excuse not to get started in real estate investing when you have the right team and systems already in place. To learn more, visit renttoretirement.com. That's renttoretirement.com. Or text REI to 33777. Again, text REI to 33777. This show is sponsored by Airbnb. Did you know that a long time ago, before I ever started my real estate business, I turned one of my first primary residences into an Airbnb? And that's the extra income that I needed from Airbnb that gave me the confidence to go out and work for myself and eventually quit my 9 to 5 job. And now I have dozens of Airbnbs all over the country. I've even partnered up with the old David Green on a recent property in Scottsdale to take our portfolio to the next level. And of course, we host it on Airbnb. But you don't need to be a full-time real estate investor to start on Airbnb. As a matter of fact, I was self-managing 10 properties while working my 9-to-5 job, so I know anybody can do it. Think about it this way. You're looking for extra income and going on a vacation. Wouldn't it be great to rent out your space and let your property pay for itself while you're gone? I did this one time. I pitched my wife and my roommate because we were house hacking on the idea of renting out our home, and it paid for all of our expenses on a trip to Mexico City. So go and give it a try. It might just change your life just like it did mine. And I really do mean that. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Pretty good episode, right? While you were listening, you could have been getting paid rent with RentApp. Landlords love RentApp because it makes rent collection a breeze. RentApp uses ACH bank transfers to deposit funds directly into your account. Setup is straightforward for renters. Landlords don't need to download anything. Both have peace of mind with a digital transaction history. Isn't it time you made landlording a little easier? Rent app, the best way to pay or collect rent. Learn more at rent.app slash landlord. That's rent.app slash landlord. Saving for a down payment, a wedding, or just looking for extra money to invest? Monarch Money turns your budgeting woes into wins. That's why the Wall Street Journal named it the best budgeting app overall. Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, set goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash pockets. Monarch's simple, intuitive design makes it easy to manage your money like a pro. Add a partner or family member to your account for no extra cost. 
so combined finances become a breeze. Customize your budgets and notifications, set up automatic rules for transactions, and more. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com pockets. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash pockets for your extended 30-day free trial. I would start... maybe even like a month before you're going to be gone, test them out while you're still there to catch any pieces so you personally Mm -hmm. aren't suffering in case they sell you a bill of goods and then they actually don't do what they say they were going to do. Um, Because, yeah, property management Mm -hmm. is squidgy. And sometimes finding a cleaning person can be very difficult. Once you find them, treat them like gold, yes. give them everything that they ask for and be really, really nice to them. And they'll prioritize your clean your properties over other people who are yelling at them and being mean. Um, I certainly would. I have several questions for you based on the things that you have shared with us. First of all, you said you have an emergency fund for your eBay business. Yes. Why? So um, I just have a three-month emergency fund. So if I, I think I'd started that, especially with lockdown, because I wanted to make sure, um, you know, if I needed to, you know, have money for buying more inventory, um, that I could just cover it. So I have three months of, of expenses for the eBay business. But everything over that, I've now been just putting into um, index funds. For, but I've been... I haven't been spending any of the business income. Okay. Um, and your business expenses or your rental expenses are $62,000. What is a short-term rental expense? Um, so let me pull that up. And also when I say expenses, even though they're not expenses, I have included any um, you know improvements that we've done for the year um, kind of Mortgage? Well, definitely mortgage. Um, our HOA fees are really high since we're beachfront properties. So those are, are very high. Those can be, you know, close to $500 each property alone uh, for the HOA per yeah, month. a month. Um, but let me pull up the... I think also, you know, the cleaning fees, like the cleaning supplies are part of it. But definitely... Um, the HOA fees, the mortgage, the taxes or the rental property taxes are, are increasing greatly. Um, cleaning supplies, um, you know, advertising for the for the properties. So okay. for the short term, it definitely seems much higher than obviously if we have long term. Okay. Um, something that I really don't want to bring up, but it doesn't change the fact that this is an, it could be an issue. In Florida, there was the Surfside condo collapse. And you have a beachfront property on the saltwater ocean. Um, where is the structural uh, support of your building? How uh, uh, have you had a structural report? Have they done anything? Because it's a different state, so maybe your state's not doing anything about it. I know in Florida they demanded that all uh, condos have a structural report within the next, like, wasn't it two years or something? I only know enough to be dangerous, but I know yeah. that, you know, those people owned in that building and now nothing. So, right. Yeah. That's something I need to look more into. I haven't actually, you know, I'm obviously very aware of that horrible situation, but I'm not sure with our properties, um, 
what where we're at as far as structural. I don't love condos just because of the HOA fees, because mm-hmm. like $500 a pop, that's what is that five nights that you're renting it out just to pay for HOA fees. So that's mm-hmm. five. Well, the other thing that, um, you know, has been challenging for us is, you know, we have been um, really having more issues with hurricanes. And so that was another reason why I thought, you know, might make sense to, you know, move somewhere else because, Luckily, we haven't had any hurricanes hit in our area, but we had several years in a row where it was just every year, hurricane, 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 evacuation, um, which then as far as a rental perspective, you know, lose out on that income. Um, so we've been very lucky, knock, knock, knock so far, but that's also a concern of what the future holds with, you know, having beachfront properties in this area. Um, so that's a concern as well. What does work look like in Portugal? Are you allowed to work? Do you have to get a work permit or something like that? No, you can work. Yeah, as I mean, under the the visa that we'd be looking at. Okay, so so the question we're really not looking at like a am I ready to retire and move to Portugal question. We're looking at like can I move to Portugal and then continue working and 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 continue building wealth um, from that. Like mm-hmm. if we, if we if I just reframe it like that, the answer to that is a resounding yes. Of course you can do that um, from, from your position. It's actually going to be cheaper to live in Portugal than this. And and you guys are are creative and resourceful enough where there's no doubt in my mind that there would be several income streams that would blossom within the first year, and you would have plenty of cash flow to cover that. Um, or that cover that even if that didn't materialize. Is that is that a helpful way to kind of reframe the the challenge here? It's helpful. I don't know why it still seems like is it possible? I don't. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why. So, because this isn't normal. Because in the whole context of your life, you start working when you graduate from college and you work until you're 65 and then you retire and then you get to live the life that you want to live. So this is completely not normal and it's very difficult to wrap your head around it. Even if you listen to the podcast, even if you're surrounded by people who live this life, it's still weird to quit your job when you're 40. So I get it. My husband, we were financially independent before he retired. We got to 2X our fine number before he retired. And it still took me having a full-time job for a year before he Mm -hmm. felt comfortable leaving his job. And even then he was like, maybe I'll just go part-time for a little bit. And when he finally left his job, he was like, oh my God, I should have done this years ago. And I bet when you finally leave your job, you finally go to Portugal, you'd be like, oh, we should have done this years ago. And that's okay. It's, it's, It's much better to have that mindset, I think, than to be, you know, oh, I'm done. I quit. And then you're like, in two years, oh my goodness, what have I done? Now I'm scrambling to find a job and I'm no longer relevant in my field because I haven't kept up to date with all of my continuing education or whatever is, you know, involved in your field or your husband's field. So there's there's a lot of push-pull. And, you know, we sit here on this podcast and we're like, oh, you should only just quit your job. But it's, it, we don't go into the mindset of it. And it's, it's a, there's a lot there to unpack. And, you know, Carl is now mm-hmm. okay with it, but. Absolutely. I, I think, I think those are great points, Mindy. And I think that it is a mindset thing. And we're like, like sitting from, from my seat, I'm like, oh yeah, you could, you could clearly do this uh, right now <laughs> with your Scott position. Scott has no emotion. Um, from that, um, like the, the numbers <laughs> say that. Yeah, uh, for, for sure. I, I think from the emotional side, things you could do in the next year to make that more 
palatable would be to build up the emergency reserve a little bit more, right? And have that cash that's set aside. So you have a year, a year and a half or whatever it is of, of expenses set aside so that you're not having to worry about it if you have three problems at once with the rental properties um, and you and you can't and things are harder than, than they seem. I think on the other side of like $100,000 in cash, you will feel way better about the about the the the, the risks of of that move will seem yeah. much lower. <laughs> um, uh, uh, so that would be one potential suggestion that might be even more valuable than like the next investment there. Another question that you had was around like, are we overweighted in real estate right now? And what does that mean from an, a, a diversification or asset allocation perspective? I, I don't think there's a good answer to that question in 20, that fear, that mm-hmm. question in 2022. I think a lot of people on bigger pockets are overweighted in real estate because real estate's mm-hmm. done really well over the past five, 10 years. So you buy a property for $75,000 and it turns into 500,000, you're overweighted in real estate. <laughs> that's a that's not a, a problem with your strategy or anything like that. The right. question is, what are you gonna put it in if it's not in real estate? Are you mm-hmm. gonna put it in cash? You know, Are you gonna put it in the stock market? Are you gonna put it in Bitcoin? Are you gonna put it in a business that you buy? Are you gonna, you know, I, I think, I, I don't know the answer to that, but my instinct is that real estate is a reasonable place to park the, park the money, even in spite of the fact that there's going to be interest rate increases coming this year uh, in the U.S. and that there's going to be, um, but there, th- there also seems to be inflation that may offset some of that. Um, rents may increase even if property values go down. And I don't know, like that, and, and interest rate increases are also likely to impact the stock market. Right. I'm, I don't I can't predict the market, but the, the companies also need to borrow cash to finance things and increasing the you know in, um, it, borrowing rates increases the cost of capital for the market as a whole, which will impact valuations. Right. So I just don't know where to go with that money. I don't I don't think you have like a great option at this point from a strategic lens of like a safe cash flowing place to put that money mm-hmm. other than in these properties. Um you're not very highly leveraged, which means you actually have more equity at risk. Um, you know, depend, depending on how you want to look at that, right? If you have more leverage, you could risk it going underwater. That seems very unlikely um, for your properties, unless, of course, a hurricane hits uh, and then they're, they're literally underwater. That's a terrible joke. Um, and then, and <laughs> sorry, <laughs> look at Mindy. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah. So I, I, I don't know I, that that analysis. I don't think you have a good a, a great option there to redeploy the capital in those rental properties, unless you were to find properties, for example, that you have more control over in Portugal that you think could generate more cash flow and, and that you'd be willing to operate directly. The best use of cash in your business is in a bit or in, in your in your business. In your life, to me, looks like properties that you control and businesses yeah. that you control. Because you are a serial entrepreneur and have yeah. five things going on. That's that's my assessment of the situation, but um, at, at a really high level. But I, I I think I don't think like there I don't have a good answer for you either. Okay. Google tells me that there are both eBay and thrift stores in Portugal. Yeah, I haven't I haven't researched it that much. So I haven't uh... And I don't know how to look at the Portuguese eBay because when I choose eBay in Portugal, it shoots me back to eBay in America. Mm-hmm. Um I think you need a VPN and to really do some research, but you did research here and you found what worked. So I'm sure you could do research there and find what yeah. works there. Um I'm wondering if 
it would be worth it to like stock up on stuff while you're here and have somebody sell it while for you here, but maybe not. Um, let's see, what other questions did I have? Oh, you have, you are saving for a car. Do you really need a car? How can you get by with one car? Can you drive? Does your husband go into the office? Yeah. So uh, I believe we need two cars. So my husband is a wine rep and he drives oh, okay. from, well. <laughs> from account to account to account. And then for myself, I'm, you know, picking up my son, going to the condos, you know, sourcing for the eBay. So I would definitely, I would love to ride my bike everywhere, but I can't. That is a really good argument for two cars. Mm -hmm. um, okay. And I went to recently to look at a used vehicle and was quoted $30,000 or something crazy. So I said, that's insane. And I left, but <laughs> I know that I'd at least need to spend um, something to get a reasonable car. But I also, so we need something, but we also, you know, maybe moving. Um, so I just put a reasonable line item, but maybe too high. I don't know. Uh, what is wrong with your car? Could you get it fixed? So we did get a quote. Uh, it's about $4,000 to put more money into it. I just find that every time we put money into it, it, it just seems like this car repeatedly has issues. Okay. So we could, I mean, that's something we're looking at. Do we just patch it for now for the next couple of years or year? Um, spend, you know, four to 5,000 on repairs. Um, or do we get another car that we could potentially sell before we leave? Okay. Um, I don't know enough about cars to discuss that intelligently. Uh, yeah, but I definitely thought about buying a car for my eBay business. So at least I could expense the miles and use it as a business deduction. Um, but I've always, you know, followed the mentality of I don't need a fancy car. I'll drive a beater as long as it's reliable. Um, so not sure what the option is there. But I Well, you can still expense the miles. Yes. Those I keep hearing how expenses. used is now becoming more expensive. So, <laughs> I don't know. It's just the worst time to buy a car. Yeah. Oh, your HSA. Portugal. Mm -hmm. Are you becoming a Portuguese citizen when you move to Portugal? I'm not, uh, not, a, not initially, no. Okay. So I'm not sure about what we'll do um, with the citizenship, but we are pursuing a passive income visa where you could be you know, a resident for five years or so. Okay. Um, cause that, if you can cash flow your, any health expenses you have right now, save the receipts and cash out while you are still here. So you get a little bit of income right before you move over there. I was going to ask about the, um, the backdoor Roth. Cause I heard a recent, or maybe it wasn't recent. I heard the episode with the mad scientist where he was going through the different options. And I, it's probably because of our income, um, that it seems like we don't qualify really for the Roth. Um, but I wanted to see if it would make more sense to put money into retirement or if no, we should be really stocking up the cash. Um, what, what do you expect your income, your AGI to be for 2021? Um, I'm not sure right now. I mean, it'd be very similar to these numbers as far as um, what I've outlined here, but I'm, I'm not sure. I don't have it off the top of my head. Well, your eBay business is bringing in 67. Your rental business is bringing in 53. You have 67 in... W2, yeah, you're probably going to be just over that limit. Mm -hmm. Maybe $10,000, $30,000 over. Okay. Um, yeah, backdoor Roth is is a viable option. 
um, for you. That would be something that um, you you could you could probably pretty easily do with just looking up how to set up a um, IRA. Um, mm-hmm. That's neither you know, and and then transfer the money in there, and then transfer it from that to the Roth IRA. So that would be that would be a mechanical you know uh, a mechanic you could certainly take advantage of. Um, I, th- I think in your situation, if you wanted to put money into the Roth. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I was going to say, I have a self-directed solo 401k because I have a an LLC and self-directed or self-employment income, and I have no other employees other than my husband. It doesn't mm-hmm. sound like you have any employees other than your husband, maybe not even right. your husband. Yeah, not even um, my husband. Perhaps you should hire your husband and then both of you can contribute up to $20,000, 20500 I think is the income limit or contribution limit for this year. So you can both put that in and then the company can match your contributions up to 25% of your income. So mm-hmm. that's an automatic 25% of $20,000, which is Five thousand additional dollars, so you have twenty five thousand five hundred dollars that you're putting into your four hundred one k for you and for your husband, provided you have that much income to to create those those contributions, and that's without the backdooring and the other things. Now he can't contribute to your solo his solo four hundred one k and his company's solo four hundred one k. What we do in our household is because I work at Bigger Pockets and have the 401k option of Bigger Pockets, we contribute to Carl's 401k first and make sure that he gets his full match and okay. and uh, max. And then we contribute to mine because I can always go to the Bigger Pockets 401k and contribute that way as well. Um, and then right now, real estate's humming right along. So all of my income comes through my LLC and then I don't have to worry about not maxing it out to the full potential. So that's just another way to get tax deferred contributions. And then I'm not paying taxes. My business isn't paying taxes legally. Legally, I'm not doing anything squidgy, um, which is my favorite way. I would love to pay taxes. I would love to make so much money that I have to pay taxes again. I think that's, I think that's great. I think on my flip, I am going to have to pay taxes on my flip, and I'm so excited to pay taxes on my flip. Which is on a live-in on flip. a live-in flip, which is going to be it's... yeah. That means there's a large amount of profit there. That's great. Yeah, the house around the corner from me just went under contract at eight hundred thousand dollars, which is I I don't want to use the word insane, but it really feels unreal. Mm-hmm. This market is just unreal. Can I ask you um, both for your input on the CapEx numbers that I was, um, because I usually don't look at CapEx, um, or I'm sorry, not CapEx, cap rates, sorry, for my rental properties. So it's my understanding that I would take my original purchase, like the net income and divide that by the original purchase price. Is that how I look at it to compare? Why are you... What's the purpose of understanding the cap rate on your rental properties? So one, I wanted to see how does that compare to just, for example, investing in the stock market as a comparison. And then the other would be um, if we did decide to purchase a property in the future, how to use the you know estimated income to determine what would be a good purchase price if we did decide to pursue another property. 
Okay, great. Yeah. Um, so how are you calculating cap, your care cap rates? So for example, with the rental property that we paid 75,000, um, I took the, uh, the net income for like last year and took that original purchase price, which would give me a 35% cap rate. Am I looking at that correctly? That's probably true on your purchase price. What is the current value of the property? So when I look at the current value, I, I took the lower, even though we saw one recently sell for 500,000, I just took 400,000 as like a potential value. So then I get a cap rate of more of like 6.5%. Okay. And that's what, that's with a short-term rental situation. Yes. Okay. Um, I, I think that's a more realistic understanding of your, your the, the realistic understanding of the cap rate of your properties is what is their market value mm-hmm. less their net operating income. Now, how are you calculating that 6.5% or what, how are you calculating net, the net operating income on that? So I just took um, our, you know, the income less the expenses for last year, as an example. What did you call an expense? Did you make, did you, did you have to replace the roof or the boiler or anything like that? And you, did you call that an expense? Um, I didn't even, I think the biggest improvement that we did that I, my CPA said it would be an expense would be like, you know, replacing the flooring and I didn't, or even replacing vanities in the bathroom. So I, pretty much everything seemed like it was an expense. I didn't have any, any roof replacement stuff like that. The reason I ask is because if you did if you did a roof replacement, you'd back that out mm-hmm. um, and you'd capitalize that, and that would not be included in the expenses that would break up make up uh, net operating income. So that seems like a like the, it seems like you're calculating that appropriately, okay. and then you could use that number to compare and say, okay, if I bought another property all in cash, um, how much income would it bring in mm-hmm. if I didn't have to you know replace the roof and do all the, you know any of these other major capital improvements? And that is a, that's a good way to compare these types of properties. It's not really commonly used as a valuation mechanic for the types of property. You'll it'll be based on comps. The the the, the property just like mine around the corner in the same building um, sold for three hundred, therefore it's worth three hundred. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but I, I think that's, a, that's a good way to look at, um, income generation, uh, against a variety of different alternatives. Okay. Cause I was just wondering if that would be, um, something to use when looking at the next property of, you know, whatever it's listed for, whatever price saying, okay, if I know that these are going to be the expenses, this is what I'm, this is the math I'm going to pay out of pocket to try and achieve, you know, a cap rate of say eight, eight 8% or higher. Yeah. I, I think that's right. And I think, I think if you just buy a bunch of properties that are valued at, you know, $750,000 and then shortly thereafter could be worth 5 million, um, you're going to be just fine. Uh, if you just repeat what you did um, the first time with these. So, yeah. Yes. I would like to get in on those properties too, please. If you can find some that are $750,000 properties, that'll be worth 5 million. I would like to invest with you. Yeah. So that, that, that's the real trick that, and that'll be the challenge for you. And that cap rate, you know, I, I would, I would think about, um, modifying that cap rate for your purposes based on what's going to be the reality after you move. Right. And that's going to include no cleaning fee, um, which, which could be impacting some of that. It is going to include property management. So I would underwrite with property management included, um, in there and then say, okay, if I'm willing to, and I'm going to do that myself and, and, and get that income, which in your case will be like 20, 30 grand, um, a year across the 115,000. Yeah. Probably in that ballpark of 20 to 30. Um, thousand dollars per year, maybe more, um, to property manage. That'll that will impact your numbers and your your analysis. So I'd make sure to include that kind of stuff because that's the reality for your situation. 
But I think it's a great, it's, it's, it's a useful tool to compare those for sure. Okay. All right. That's helpful. Awesome. What, what else can we help you with today? What are some other questions or areas that we haven't covered yet? Um, I think, I think you've really helped me with a lot um, and given me some different ways to look at this. Uh, I think really it was just, am I doing everything from um, just a financial perspective? Is there anything else that you would look at in our situation that we may not be taking advantage of, um, you know, just to make sure that we're trucking along and, and doing what we should be doing financially? I mean, you seem you seem in pretty good shape to me. You spend a lot less than you bring in. Um, you've got you've, you're you're taking advantage of most of the tax advantage advantaged accounts that you, we have here. Mindy has already given a couple of great points on additional um, ways you could get more sophisticated about taking advantage or, or using tax advantage retirement accounts, for example, mm-hmm. um, to to shield money from from taxes. Um, I think that. You know, your your situation is because of the, the flexibility and the nature of the work that you guys do. Um, I think you could zoom out and say, it's a matter of whenever I feel like it, when, for what I want to move. There's a couple of remaining questions that I have, but your financial position is not something that would hinder you from making that move mm-hmm. to to Portugal. You just have to say, when do I want to do it and how do I want to back into it? And what's my situation look like afterwards, which you've already done. You just have a couple of, of additional layers to loop in there. I think the, the cash reserve mm-hmm. is going to be a huge item that I would prioritize even over some other investing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'd, I'd think about like one big bucket for your life. You can break it up apart for your business and your properties and your personal life as well. But just like, what is that amount of cash that you need to feel really comfortable there? Yeah. I think that will that will open up some decisions for you. And I think that, again, the property management piece is going to be a big one. Understanding what the cash flow looks like when you move away yeah. um, and how that will be impacted by you not cleaning and not managing the properties yourself. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And I would tag on to that to run the numbers on a sale of the property if you're still considering selling the property and just taking the money over to Portugal and investing there. What are your capital gains taxes going to be? I don't think you could do a 1031 out of the country, right, Scott? That's not even an option. You would 1031 into another property locally. I'm not sure. I I, I would guess no, yeah, but I don't know. That would be, that'd be a good I question. I would strongly for... guess no as well. Um, the, there's going to be... I, do you do depreciation on a short-term rental, Scott? I think you do, right? You mm-hmm. take depreciation, oh, yeah. so then there's depreciation recapture. So you will have a tax bill when you sell. If you have a million dollars in real estate and your equity is uh, 71% of this, you're still going to have some some tax uh, obligations to do what sort of tax deduction. That's a really good point that I didn't think up that, that, that we didn't think of earlier that, that, yeah, like you cannot liquidate those properties and then convert all that equity into the same value in Portugal because there'll be huge tax considerations. So right. I think a CPA budget would be a really good one to talk to, mm-hmm. to think through how yeah. that move would look. Yeah. Not only a CPA, just, just CPA in general, but just some general tax planning. Maybe you sell one property and then you have some money to work with to, you know, maybe you sell your primary residence. If you've lived there for more than two years, your tax burden on that one is going to be significantly less. You said you bought it for 200 and it's worth 580. So now you're 
uh, you're married, so your your uh, Section 121 exclusion is going to be $500,000. So even if you've done work to it, it doesn't matter. You're not selling it for a delta of more than 500000 So all of that money mm-hmm. is just going into your pocket after you pay off your mortgage. Another one to think through here is you're, you're already at like 70% equity, right? 30% debt on these properties. You know, it, it wouldn't take you more than a couple of years probably to pay them off with your current rate. And so if you could pay them off one by one, um, that's not the math that Mindy and I love when we invest in real estate. We like the use of leverage and the ability to to get to to magnify those returns. But that's not what you're doing. You're not you, if you were to, if you were to take advantage of that, you'd pull out three, four hundred thousand dollars and buy more property and lever up with it. Um, so that would be one option um, that would kind of pull that to an extreme, and that that could generate more cash flow. It would also assume more risk, um, or, you know, uh, and, and put your position even more weighted towards real estate. Mm-hmm. But in the other extreme, if you just paid off the properties, then those expenses, those sixty some odd thousand dollars in expenses on your properties, goes down to I don't know thirty. Um, offsetting a lot of the property management expense. Mm-hmm. So something also to think about there that, you know, that that, that creates a very luxuriously simple um, situation for you downstream. Yeah. Okay. Well, definitely a lot to think about. I think it does make sense to meet with the CPA and start doing um, some tax planning to say, well, I haven't done that yet. <laughs> so right now we're in the phase mm-hmm. of actually going to Portugal finding out the different areas that we, you know, we consider moving to um, and starting to look at properties over there. But the next phase I think would really be, you know, sitting down with an accountant to say, you know, how do we get there? And what does that look like? What's the best way to get there, especially from a tax perspective? And one way is just to leave them as they are uh, <laughs> with property management in place. Yeah. So, well, great. Um, well, I hope this was helpful, and 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 thank you so much for 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 sharing your story and um and your goals with us. This was a fun discussion, and it was, you know, it's always really interesting to have someone with such a complex, um, and good and strong financial position come in and and get to hear you know ways to to beat that up and think about the getting to the end state as soon as possible. Really enjoyed the discussion, and and really grateful for you coming on. Yeah. Well, thank you. I really appreciate you guys you know, sitting down with me and walking through this with me, helping me think about it from a different, you know, different point of view. This is a lot of fun, Brandy. Thank you so much. We'll talk to you soon. <sighs> Scott, that was Brandy. That was Brandy's amazing story. I'm kind of jealous and I sort of want to be Brandy. Yeah, I, I think she's got some really cool things going on. Clear goal, clear vision. Um, and I think she's going to achieve it. And I think she can achieve it as soon as she wants. She is ready to go to go out there and do it right now from a financial position, as far as I'm concerned. And uh, it'll be interesting to follow her story and see what, what she ends up doing. I, I think that, you know, the, the biggest takeaway we could, we could have from today's show is again, this concept of flexibility where she's got flexibility to a large degree in her life, but kind of Mac finishing the play on that, especially from a cash position perspective, I think personally for me would open up a lot of doors if I had her situation. Yeah, I really like the options that she has. She's got, it's like, which of these 50 great ideas can I put into play? So um, setting yourself up and making great decisions throughout your investing career is always going to be the best option. And I mean, it's just setting her up with multiple best options. Her biggest problem 
is the taxes that she's going to have to pay on these enormous gains that she has realized, which is, you know, a good thing. It's not everybody likes to pay taxes, but that just means that you've made a lot of money. So I'm 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 pro not paying any taxes you don't have to pay, but I'm also very pro paying the taxes that you have to pay because that's the cost of living in a society. And she has done very, very well for herself. Absolutely. So yeah, I would love to check back in with her in about a year and see what decisions she has made. And they had originally talked about a two and a half or three year timeline. I'm wondering if this conversation has allowed her to start thinking and speeding up that timeline. I, I, I hope so. And I, I think so. I think I think that she can do it whenever she wants. So it's about it's about whatever they feel comfortable with and whatever they feel like is 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 right for their lifestyle. But there there's not a lot from like a holistic view um, from from their financial perspective that's tying them to one location or, or another, in, in my opinion. Yeah. Now it's just getting comfortable with the idea of, whew, OK, we can really do this. Now we have to actually do it because it can be scary. I mean, it's one thing to quit your job and still live in the country that you have lived in your whole life. But it's another thing to quit your job and move across the country to a, we didn't even ask her if she speaks Portuguese. Um, I'm guessing that she doesn't, although I have a friend who lives in Portugal who said it was pretty easy to pick up. Um, but leaving the country that you've lived in your whole life and all of your family and friends behind and moving to a new country with new languages and new customs and new traditions and new everything can be a little, you know, it's it's romantic when you're thinking about it from a three years away perspective. It's a little more, you know, ooh, is this really what I want to do when you're faced with the decision? Hey, you really can do it. So now, you know, start diving deep into, is this really what you want? So I'm excited for her. I think she's got a lot of, a lot of conversations to have with her spouse and her child and a lot of deep thoughts to have, but it's it's still really exciting. Awesome. Okay, Scott, should we get out of here? Let's do it. From episode 290 of the Bigger Pockets Money podcast, he is Scott Trench and I am Mindy Jensen saying, ooh, bang zoom to the moon. Wasn't that from the Honeymooners? You don't know that one either, do you? Nope. Did you ever see an episode of the Honeymooners? I don't know if that's, maybe that's not nice. I don't remember. See, I never watched a lot of the Honeymooners either. Bang zoom to the moon. Maybe that was a mean thing that he said. Okay. I'll say be sweet parakeet because that's nicer. Bye. The market is changing, and finding your way can be tricky. Rates shift, headlines whirl, but your goal hasn't changed. You want financial freedom, and the best investors know it's not about timing the market, it's about time in the market. If you're ready to get into real estate investing or take it to the next level, finding an investor-friendly agent is your next step. With the BiggerPockets Agent Finder, you can find the right agent in minutes. Just head to biggerpockets.com deals 
enter a few details about what and where you want to buy, and boom, instantly matched with an investor-friendly agent who fits the bill. These local market experts can help you navigate the neighborhoods, analyze the numbers, and take action with confidence once and for all. This free resource is only available at biggerpockets.com deals. Get an agent, get the deal, and get closer to financial freedom at biggerpockets.com deals. That's biggerpockets.com deals to find your investor-friendly agent today. The content of this podcast is for informational purposes only. Past performance is not indicative of future results, and all host and participant opinions are their own. Investment in any asset, real estate included, involves risk. Use your best judgment and consult with qualified advisors before investing. Only risk capital you can afford to lose. Bigger Pockets LLC disclaims all liability for direct, indirect, consequential, or other damages arising from reliance upon information presented in this podcast.